Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. This week's stirring message comes from Senior Associate Pastor, Dr. Eli Morris. We are in a new series here at Stirring. And it parallels, as Amanda said, the series and our other worship hours. We're calling both series The Way. Uh, Each week, we'll be taking a journey through various locations in the Bible. The stirring sermons will not be the same as the other sermons uh, of the weekend, but rather will be a, a bit of a different reflection upon those important places along the way. Now, if you were at Hope this morning or Saturday night, you know that we started at the start. We're looking at Eden this weekend. When you think of the Garden of Eden, what do you think of? Well, paradise is a word often thrown around, beautiful, perfect, idyllic. Some choose to center upon the the residence of of Eden, Adam and Eve. Some go to the glass half empty route and they want to talk about the snake and the tree and the fall, as it is called. Even, even the banishment. Now, if you, if you don't know the story of Eden, it's found in Genesis 2 and 3. Now, Genesis 1 and 2 contain the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The first, the first task was light. The second was sky. Then, uh, then uh, land and plants. Then the sun, moon, and the stars. The fifth day was the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And the sixth day was animals and Adam and Eve. Um, I'm going to ask my seminary brother if that was right. Close enough. Uh, and, and in chapter 2, God introduces Adam and Eve to the garden. And I would kind of imagine it was like an amped up version of the shows on TV that, that build a dream house or Rework the dump that you're currently living in. It's probably like when, uh, when Chip and Joanna roll back the giant billboard of your old house and say, are you ready to see your fixer-upper? And then they see it. The homeowners always, they gasp and they cry. That's probably what Eden looked like a little bit to Adam and Eve. Genesis 2, beginning of verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east of Eden, and there he put the man he had formed, the The Lord God made all kinds of trees growing out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of of good and evil. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So, they've got it made, right? The, the, the beautiful garden was theirs. Everything that they ever wanted was found in Eden. It had security. It had comfort. It had abundance. It had joy. And it, and it had the awesome presence of God. There was no evil. There was no disagreement. There was no pain. There was no suffering, there was no poverty, there was no disease, there was no death. And if all in his creative process, God had 
created mosquitoes? They didn't bite until after the fall. I feel confident. Eden was the original land flowing with milk and honey. Plus, Adam and Eve enjoyed a direct relationship with God the Creator. God walked with them and talked with them. I mean, this is like going on a, on a vacation to an all-inclusive. This is an all-inclusive deal. But as you recall, for life in Eden to continue that way, there was one condition. God told them that they could not eat any fruit from the trees in Eden except for the tree. That they could eat from any tree in, in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He warned them that if they ate from that tree, they would die. Well, we all know how that played out. Adam and Eve sinned. God expelled them. He drove them out of the Garden of Eden. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Joni Mitchell wrote a song years ago that uh, Counting Crows covered a few years back. It's called Big Yellow Taxi, you might know it. And the chorus goes, don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone. Adam and Eve were humming that tune the rest of their life. Because outside of Eden is not a pleasant place. Outside of Eden is not a pleasant place to be. For Adam and Eve, outside of Eden is a place of, of, of hard labor with little return. It's a land of scarcity. It's a land of poverty. Outside of Eden is a place of struggling and, and difficulty. It's a wasteland. Outside of Eden is, is a place of sorrow and, and regrets, don't you imagine? It's a place of separation from God. Outside of Eden is a place of shattered dreams and ambitions. It's a place of broken hearts and broken lives. Years and years ago, General Electric had a great commercial that, that showed the lights coming on in the nation of Hungary. After the fall of communism, a few, day, uh, a few new day had begun for the people in that land. And, and the lights came on. In our text tonight, we see that after Adam and Eve have sinned, a new day begins as well. This time the lights are going out. Their decision to eat the forbidden fruit had a devastating effect on Adam and Eve and frankly on us and the rest of the world. And so for Adam and Eve, the day after the fall, obviously the physical environment had changed. Their new home didn't look like the garden. There are, there are different types of plants. When you touch some of them, they, they, they prick your finger and it hurts. Because you see, when sin entered the picture, a corruption of nature occurred. The, 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 in the Garden of Eden, a perfect harmony had existed between man and his environment. I, I, I'm sure in the, in, the, in the original Garden of Eden, there were oranges and peaches and mangoes and papayas hanging from the trees, just waiting to be eaten. 
But outside of the garden, it was a different world. Getting food to eat is now hard, hard work. Even today, we, we experience this lack of harmony between humankind and nature. You go out to your garden and, and see that the weeds are growing much faster than the vegetables. It's because we live a life after the fall. This passage helps to describe their new life. Here's Adam's fate, okay, in Genesis 3, 17. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. And then to Eve, he said in verse 16, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Not, not exactly sure what God's plans were for children before the fall, but it certainly wasn't what you good ladies have to endure after the fall. In fact, that whole stork story may have been the plan. He may have been dropping kids off with a stork. And so the environment of life had changed. What else? I would assume for Adam and Eve, relationships changed. In God's original design, Adam and Eve were very much created for partnership. The, the two key passages are these. Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You may recall that passage. Then in Genesis 2.20, it says, But for Adam no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Let me unpack just a little Hebrew for you. The original text said that God's intention was to find an Ezar Kenegato, E-Z-E-R, that's one word, Kenegato, K-E-N-E-G-E-D-O, for Adam. Often that is translated as helper, or even some of us may recall the, the term help meet, a help meet for Adam. But that term literally means this, a strength corresponding to him. He needed a strength corresponding to him, a partner. That was God's original intent for humankind. But after the fall, things got messy. The Old Testament is loaded with husbands and wives at odds with one another. In fact, I'd imagine as they walked out of the garden in shame that Adam looked at Eve and said, so you got to listen to the snake, right? you got to do that, huh? And started this this, this, this problem, the environment had changed, relationships had changed, but most importantly, God seems far away. Being outside of the garden, you notice that God now seems far away. Now, one of, one of the eternal attributes of God is that he is omnipresent. So, so he's not far away at all. 
But perception is reality for Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3.8, Adam and Eve hear God walking about in the garden. I mean, they were used to a wonderful, close relationship with God, but that was lost. Verse 8 says, Adam and Eve hid from the Lord. He hid from, they hid from the Lord when they heard him in the garden. And, and think about this too. In Genesis 2, God had told Adam and Eve that if they disobeyed him, if they ate the forbidden fruit, they would surely die. Right? And in chapter 3, the serpent tells Eve, hey, that's not true. You won't die. So wouldn't you think that since Adam and Eve didn't drop stone dead after taking a bite of the fruit, they're thinking, well, maybe Satan's got something here. They took a bite, and their hearts kept beating. Their lungs kept breathing. They're still alive. Maybe Satan was right. Or was he? In a very real way, Adam and Eve did die the moment they ate the fruit. They died spiritually. The very special relationship they had with God came to an end. And one day, they would die physically. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. But spiritual death was an immediate result of disobedience to God. So, what does living after the fall mean to us today in 2023? Two quick things and we're done. Life after the fall gives us a harsh but clear reality. It helps us realize that evil and suffering will be a part of our lives. Things are broken. When sin entered the picture, it ushered in the pain that goes with it. The most common questions that people have about God are questions like these. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? Right? Why, why do earthquakes kill thousands of people? Why are babies born with severe mental and physical challenges? Why does a little girl get killed by a drunk driver? The Bible's answer to these questions is not that God is unable to prevent these things from happening. He clearly could do that, right? Rather, the reason we experience evil and suffering is because we live after the fall. The world we live in is not the same kind of world God made. Sin has corrupted every part of our lives. Which, which leads to a second question. Why then doesn't God stop evil? Why doesn't he do something to eliminate the suffering? And I'm telling you, that is a tough question. That is a tough question, but we need to always remember, he will. He will. Right now, right now the crime is still in progress. It makes no more sense to blame God for evil and suffering in this world than it does to blame a judge when somebody robs a bank. No, no judge promises to prevent crimes from occurring. The judge is only responsible for holding accountable those who have already committed these acts. God is the judge of the universe. And yes, right now, a lot of sin is still occurring. Lots of people are suffering for various reasons. But one day, God will make everything right. And take great comfort in this as Jesus' followers in Romans 3. The God setting things right 
that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he he put us in right standing with himself. A pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God's going to clean this mess up. What else does living after the fall mean to us? Here's what it can mean. As Jesus followers, we can begin to walk with God again. We can begin to walk with God again. Since the dawn of time, we have had God's promise concerning a Savior. Certainly, when when Jesus is crucified, it appears to be a victory for Satan. Jesus dies on the cross as a sacrifice for human sin. But three days later, he's alive. Paul writes in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. At that point, it is as if God pushes the reverse button and we are on our way back to Eden. The results of the fall are being erased and the lights are coming back on. I wish I could tell you that uh, that we're not going to have problems. I've got a good friend I prayed with this morning who uh, has got a, a very complicated surgery tomorrow, and uh, I'd love to say that, ma'am, we don't have to. You don't have to do that, but it's it's the fall. We're broken. I've got another friend I'm going to pray with uh, tomorrow night who's going through surgery on Wednesday. Uh, I've got a funeral of a dear, dear friend on this coming Saturday. Um, it's a result of the fall, and we live on that side of it. But trust me, God has won this thing. He's won this thing through the work of Jesus Christ. It's going to be okay. Let's pray together. Father God, um, we don't understand all the nuances of your wisdom. I certainly don't. Father, this creation story is complicated. It's, it's, it's beautiful in many ways. It's tragic in other ways. This whole idea of Eden and the, and the glory of it and the perfection of it, it's, it's muddied in the sin of our lives. And so, Father, I pray that we might embrace the one who can heal. Embrace the one Take us back to the place where we Father, I pray that we might uh, be wise enough to look to the Savior. That's what I hope you Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, 
visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.